0: Welcome back. It is Monday Football Monday here on the SB Nation NFL Show, the premier show that we offer here at the SB Nation NFL Show. We encourage you sub- to subscribe to the show, leave a rating, write a review. And if you do, if you write anything, we promise that we will read it, especially if you ask questions. Uh, we're going to actually get to one of our reviews here in a minute. I am R. Joe Ochoa. You know me, of course, from Monday Football Monday. The look ahead, like I said, the two best shows that we offer here. Uh, but we have uh, we've not replaced Pete Sweeney, but he's, he's gallivanting uh, in the concrete jungle the dreams are made of Sweeney's on vacation so we have replaced him momentarily with the one and only the legendary the iconic known simply by his initials you got to be great uh to be known by your initials i would know blg brandon lee gowden from Bleeding Green Nation and some, some stuff here at the SB Nation NFL show as well.
1: BLG, what up? RJ, I'm on the podcast here with you replacing Pete Sweeney, the great Pete Sweeney. And I feel like it's only right that I give out the come up of the week just <laughs> right out of the way, right out of the gate. Now, you're probably you know expecting me to give it to myself or something like that, something incredibly vain. I wouldn't do that. I'm going to give the come up of the week, our day to the Monday football Monday podcast. Cause look, the numbers are going to get boosted here. You and I know this because when we did <laughs> Friday football, Friday back during the regular season is one of the most Triple F. popular. It was one of the most popular podcasts on the SB nation NFL show ever. So, uh, I feel like the listeners love the Batman Joker dynamic that you and I have going. We should probably do our own podcast at some point, but uh, yeah, come up of the week, big downloads boost for Monday football Monday here. I'm a fan of the Batman Joker podcast uh, title to be determined.
0: We have already determined that I'm Batman because again, I'm, I'm willing to like ultimately settle on what's right. You are the Joker far more willing to explore the more maniacal side of things. And that's, that's a compliment. Like that's not a, a dog that you're the Joker, like embrace your title, but which version of the Joker do you like better? And I, I mean, like, obviously Heath Ledger's Joker is the best. But as as an example point to this, I really hate like, um, like in in the Suicide Squad like trailer that the reason I thought it looked so bad was that like there was that scene of him like laying down with like this like incredible circle maze of weaponry, and it was like and just like laughing. It was like okay, so he so he got dressed and like and set all this weaponry out just so he could lay down you know, for a second. Like, it's not its not practical. It's not within reason. It would never happen in real life. And so I get that that's more of a comic book slant on the character, but I'm just more of a fan of the realistic Joker. Like, you are.
1: Yeah, it has to be Heath Ledger. I mean, just the, the Jared Leto version. I've honestly never even seen Suicide Squad. You. I feel like I've, I have you know, wanted to, like, in my head, but then I, I hear, like, what you just said right there and everyone else is like no we don't even don't even watch her it, it's just so disappointing so i've even gotten around to it but yeah definitely more of a, a heath ledger i mean like the jack nicholson joker maybe this is a controversial take rj fitting mm. for our show today which we'll get into here uh doesn't do it for me i feel like that role made me take like jack nicholson less seriously what role take makes you take him very seriously uh, I don't know. I just feel like there's something about it. It just seemed like it seemed like I, I, it was just like too comical. I know it's the Joker. I guess there's supposed right. to be, you know, it's a like a funny element to it, but it just didn't feel like the right fit to me. I agree with that. Um, So that is the theme of today's
0: show. You mentioned um, this is Friday Football Friday, part two, certainly. Uh, But before we get to our overall theme, we have a review to read BLG. Like I said, we promise to read any review that comes in good or bad, but because, well, frankly, we're awesome. They generally tend to be awesome. Uh, The latest review comes to us uh, from Foles for Prez. Prez spelled Mm. with four Z's. Uh, A fan of Nick Foles, obviously. Five star review titled Absolute Joy. Here we go lot to unpack here. Diehard Eagles fan. So I'm a little biased toward BLG and KISS being my dudes. Congrats to you. Uh, but gosh darn it, RJ. You make it hard not to like you even though you're the enemy. Thank you very much, Foles surprise. Prez. Appreciate it. Pete, Stats, KP, and Kate are all great too. Love their analysis, personality, and general jive they have on each show. Also, just want to take a moment to thank you all for giving a platform to minority and women's voices. We need more of both in sports. I really appreciate yep. the diversity behind the show along with all the insight and entertainment. Of course, keep up the great work. Everyone, your hard work doesn't go unnoticed. Look at that, BLG. You're working hard, and Foles for Press is noticed.
1: It's a Super Bowl MVP caliber review from the Super Bowl MVP mm. himself, potentially. That might actually be Nick Foles. We we can't confirm or deny True. that that is actually Nick Foles. RJ, how does it feel all the time to uh, have all these <laughs> Eagles fans saying nice things about you? I mean, I, I've said before in the the SB Nation NFL show Slack chat, little peek behind the curtain inside football here, as opposed to inside baseball. Uh, look, the SB Nation NFL show is really just an Eagles podcast with a national mm. focus.
0: I realize that what I'm about to say is a little bit narcissistic, but I do feel like that's on brand. Um, again, it's kind of the Batman way, like have this big old mansion and, you know, throw all these parties and whatever. Um, I do think like objectively that I am Eagles fans, favorite Cowboys fan. And that's a weird, it's a weird spot to hold. I mean, like, to be honest, like, it's it's kind of awkward, like if we had a dinner party or something and I walked in, you know, all you guys are dressed the same, acting the same, eating the same, drinking the same. And I'm like, I do things a little bit different, you know, but we can all I feel like we're, this is this is an example of, of humanity, um, you know, having love for, for the common man, the common element of man. And so we, we have found some similarities. We have found some things that we all hate together. Um, And I like that that is a thing. I like that we all can recognize that we have a a respect and and a love and an admiration, but that ultimately we are sworn enemies. It, It feels nice. It actually kind of feels like the Suicide Squad, right? Like this band of misfits that's all targeted towards you know different causes working together for the greater good that's what we're doing here
1: we know eagle sands love you rj because you're actually secretly deep down an eagle sand i mean you're as listeners can't see this but you're wearing a kelly green colored shirt right now i, I know it's for what the masters but it doesn't matter uh it's it's for your eagle support clearly uh a tradition unlike any other does begin today
0: so does something that has to do with one of the things that i have lined up for our discussion blg we are going to talk about something that i think you're going to be an expert at what is your most controversial opinion of the nfl offseason so far you mentioned it of course the jack nicholson joker before we fully begin i do want to ask what is an uh, what a controversial opinion you have in life uh it could be a music artist you like it could be a movie it can be something you don't like that the general consensus of the world appreciates what is a
1: controversial opinion that you live your life by well the thanksgiving pizza one always comes up that yeah but that's foods. late we've heard that no we need <laughs> I know, something I, different Another one, it's probably, I'm going to have to go with food, you know, because food is my domain here. Really not the biggest sushi guy. Uh, seafood mm. as a whole, just don't love it. Now, I, there there are some exceptions in there, but, like, the category itself, seafood, I just, like, never want it. I'm never like, yeah, I need flounder or tilapia. Like, no, <laughs> I, if we could just eliminate seafood, I'd be fine. It's not a long John Silver's guy. All right. It's fine. It's okay. I mean, I, I've been there. It's it's what's, fried. What's...
0: That's why you like it. It's yeah, fried. of course. But that's yeah. like
1: cheating. I mean, you can fry anything and it's good. Right. Um, mine is music
0: related. That's why I, I and this is not like an original controversial opinion, to be completely fair. You're a big music guy. Everybody knows that about BLG. I don't think that Nickelback is this like terrible band that like ruins music and stuff like that. I. There are many Nickelback songs that from our, you know, sort of high school youth were great you know what i mean like that they come on shuffle and and are awesome and like and so um and let's not forget that nickelback was a part of the spider-man soundtrack with that song hero and so they forever hold a place in all of our lives i mean so you know again i realize i'm not the first or like the 10
1: millionth person to have this take but they don't
0: suck it's okay to admit that they don't suck
1: i would say older nickelback specifically i think newer stuff that did like get way worse and drop off and i can't even listen to it but older stuff yeah growing up like I don't know. Nickelback was cool, man. Like back when they first came out, when like I was in maybe you know, fourth grade or whatever, or, or at least they were they didn't first come out then, but they were getting like really you know more mainstream back then. I totally agree with that. I think uh, Nickelback, like Creed, I think people yeah. like just jumped onto those bands way too much, like to hate on them. Like I get, like I get it. I understand why they might not be for everyone, and that's fine. And I think if you look at some of their stuff on the radio, it was probably overplayed in the hits and everything. But if you like look at the whole albums, like they're not. As bad, it it just becomes groupthink, and that's Mm -hmm. what becomes not fun and dangerous. And speaking to today's show, like we're we're trying to go beyond the groupthink, right? So, you mentioned Creed, uh, somebody else very famously loves
0: Creed, your favorite quarterback in the NFL, Kirk Cousins. Uh, but so maybe your controversial take has to do with him. BLG, you are the guest, I will let you start. What is one of your most controversial opinions of the NFL offseason so far?
1: We're going to start with something that you and my co-host on Tuesday's show on the show the the, the Oddcast, have talked about, not recently, although I want to get to that too later, but uh, this one I think you're more in lockstep on, and that is like the Patriots had this good offseason. You guys think they're doing the right thing, 12 personnel. Uh, RJ, I I assume we're going to have many, or at least one, uh, bold predictions for the regular season, so I'm not trying to get into that too much, but I really feel like this Patriots offseason actually wasn't that good, The Patriots are going to have their first back-to-back losing season since 1992-1993. Kind of like Nickelback. I think there's a middle ground here. I'm definitely... I I respect the effort, right?
0: Because there was clearly not one last offseason, right? There was clearly like, ai don't want to say getting caught with like their, you know, pants down or whatever, but there was clearly like a, holy crap, what do we do now? And then there, like, we we completely like the football world flip script. When they, Remember when they signed Cam Newton, there was like, well, the Buffalo Bills aren't going to win the AFC East anymore. Like, like that was suddenly this magic fix. And no disrespect to Cam, but so I think, I, I, I know I think, but that, This offseason, they have been far more active. Um, They have at least made an effort. And so they have acted like a normal NFL team, which is and so they've only lived in the spectrum, right? Or one end of the spectrum, I should say. They've only either done nothing or they've done everything. And this feels not that the results will be the same. This feels like the 2007 offseason when they went and got Dante Stalworth and Wes Walker and Randy Moss, and you were wondering, like, man, what's this going to look like? And that blew up, obviously. But I don't think this will have those same sort of results. But I do I'm, – I'm excited. Like, I, I think the Patriots have now reached that point where it's like, and, and this is kind of a sad point to reach as a franchise, like the Raiders own all the territory here. Like, man, the NFL is good when, you know, that team is good. And the, like, we need the Patriots. Like, it, it's we can't just have them flounder forever your favorite fish. I mean, they, they have to return to some sense of legitimacy. And this puts them on track for that, at least.
1: Bill Belichick overrated R.J. That's let's <laughs> make it even more controversial. I think I really think I really believe that last season was instructive in part of telling us which one of the Brady Belichick sure. was more valuable. And that's not to say Belichick is a bad coach. You don't get to the level of success the Patriots have had if he is. Obviously, he's he's good in this in this NFL. Like in, right now, I, I, the onus is on him. Like Brady won the Super Bowl without him. Now we have to see Ken Belichick win. And I think the quarterback situation, you know, isn't ideal there. And I think that's kind of a, a thing working uh, in in terms of like you can kind of cut him some slack. Although, like he picked Cam for the second year in a row. This right. isn't like last year where they kind of had to ride with someone and it wasn't ideal. Brady left, uh, so I just don't. I don't love what they did this offseason. I think it was the mark of a desperate team. And when Agreed? all of a sudden are the pa- Patriots becoming desperate? Like this isn't this is not you just the, described um, why they're
0: desperate. Like that. Like I. I don't fully believe like there's panic in the building because tom brady won the super bowl but now like now the race is on right like the, the the conversation is fair like more than fair to say well brady was the reason right and so now it's it's not just belichick i mean it's you know it's every person who has had a hand in that now is desperate to prove that they are worth something on their own and that they weren't carried that entire time by brady
1: Tom Brady is a better quarterback than and look, I don't like saying nice things about Tom Brady. So this isn't me being a Tom Brady stand at all. But he's a better quarterback than Belichick is a better head coach. That's what we're doing here. I agree with that. Today.
0: I agree with that. But I also think that that's like that's inherently true because he has a larger impact on the game. And you can say like a head coach has a huge impact, but um, this and this is a nice segue to my first one. And of course, I had to start with our mutual co-host and Rob Stats Guerrero, who I know you agree has experienced an incredible level of hubris uh, for a oh, I don't know what reason uh, with regards to the San Francisco 49ers. Now, we have both said our, our 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 piece on um on on the fact that this isn't necessarily like a lock for the 49ers appearing in the Super Bowl. Um but you just outlined why a head coach could not do it all, right? Like you you can't. Like you can you can be the greatest coach of all time, which as much as you just bagged on him, you know, you agree Bill Belichick is. And no matter if you don't have even like a competent option at quarterback, you just simply can't compete. There is so much just unbelievable trust in Kyle Shanahan, right? Like, oh, the system, Kyle Shanahan system. Look what he did with, with Matt Ryan in Atlanta. And, and, you know, look what he did in Cleveland and in Houston and Washington. It's like, let's slow down a second here because – and uh, shout out to Peter King. I didn't – I had this take like brewing in my mind, but it fully crystallized uh, on today's uh, Football Morning in America. So no, no taking away from 2019. The 49ers were an incredible team. BLG, do you know how many games they have won in the other three years combined under Kyle Shannon? Took over in 2017. In 2019, they went 13 and 3. So I'm asking for their combined win total in 17, 18, and 20. Was it like seven? You're saying seven wins across three years? Mm, three years, okay. 10? It's still a little low. Um, so I think you're about to agree with me. Um, in 2017, their first year went 6 and 10. In 2018, mm. went 4-12. and 12. Obviously, boom, 2019, 13-3, and three, the one seed awesome. This past season, 6-10. and 10. And I know that people are going to say, oh, well, he didn't have the quarterback, didn't have the quarterback. Well, okay, so what? Like, if his system is so flawless, I mean, there should be some level of results here. And right now, the 2019 season is the outlier. And I don't know when we just, as a society, jump to the point where we consider that the norm. And I don't know when Kyle Shanahan got this unbelievable amount of like implicit trust that everything's gonna work and everything's gonna be fine. So my controversial take is like their whole career in San Francisco, him and John Lynch is really, really, really kind of riding on this third overall pick that they traded for.
1: After last week's podcast. it's funny the show is called Off Day Debrief, but then we kind of have a little debriefed after the show, which really we should record and put out mm, because the off day debrief debrief. Right. It's it's usually a good conversation. So where I I was at with that. And, you know, so I, it doesn't get onto the show sometimes because my thoughts are crystallizing, you know, throughout the show and then afterwards. Uh, and I was like, Stats, I think you're just where I was after totally the Eagles won the Super Bowl in terms of like in terms of your denialism. Like you, you're still in the mindset of the team is the Super Bowl team, but you're not accounting for how the rest of the NFL changes. Like it's not static. It's not like you're staying the same. 49ers kept the same players. Like the rest of the NFL is getting better. Well, not everyone, but some some teams are. And I, I, you can't just assume that, like, because you kept everything status quo, that it's the same. Like, the, the NFL is this very complicated equation. It's not like you're changing one, like, there's so many different variables that you have to account for. So I was thinking about that. And I was also thinking about how, and I, I want to bring this up to stats tomorrow on the podcast. He was talking about how, like, Big Ben was an example of why. Uh, a rookie quarterback can go far and i kind of downplayed that i I downplayed that last week's show because i was like well first of all it's a different nfl like where that was a long time ago where running the ball was probably more important than it is now and the other thing i was looking back at big Ben's stats from his rookie season stats mind you his statistics uh he as a rookie In the playoffs, he threw more touchdowns than picks, and he had a 68 passer rating. Like, okay, you're really winning this, or you're even going to the Super Bowl? Like, stats, I love you, buddy, but you got to calm down with this 49ers stuff.
0: I agree completely. I also, I think that we all tend to live in denialism in vacuums when it like we all tend to focus on like the greatest point of our team and like oh this we're just adding this to that and so everything's going to be perfect I I said for years and I think you'll agree with this um as as an example with my team the Cowboys tried to pick up where Dez caught it for like three years they like that's how they built their team. Like they could go pick right back up at Lambeau Field and be a game away from or a moment away from the NFC Championship game. And it just doesn't work like that. It's it's so difficult to to even be kind of good again. And so like I I I don't know. I think I think the 49ers are
1: a little bit overrated. Maybe we're both having stats rub off on us a little bit. Uh, but you're up next, Piochi. Well, you would know about denialism as a Cowboys fan for sure, which brings me to my next point. Most controversial number two for me i guess uh i actually had the 49ers a little bit on i, I put 49ers will finish last in the nfc west on uh I, so, I don't
0: think they're better than anybody else in their division right now
1: right i mean now. it's a tough division yeah. yeah yeah assuming russ stays and that's you know we'll see what happens there but assuming he does yeah i, I think that's like how is that insane to say And that's not even necessarily like that doesn't mean they're not going to be like a quality team because you could be what? Like you could win eight games and finish last in that division. You could win Um, nine now. Nine. Yeah. So I'm going to say for my one, though, about the Cowboys, they shouldn't be considered automatic NFC East winners. Like, I feel like the assumption somehow is there down in Dallas. Am I wrong? I, I think it's
0: there. I think this is a more unique situation than most times that this happens. Because this division has been very bad for a long time. While I maintain, and I know you agree, that Washington has had the best off season so far of any of the four teams, there's still Washington. There's still this disaster. Like, they're still led overall, ownership-wise, by a disaster, right? Like, at some point, the bottom will come out. Even if Ryan Fitzpatrick is their option, the bottom always comes out in Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I think you and I both agree that had Dak Prescott been healthy for all sixteen games last season, they do cakewalk to that division. I mean, they they, they do. And so, like, I, they, I I do something I I I caution a lot of Cowboys fans on is people love to, to point out like, oh well, Dak was was on pace to like throw for six thousand yards and blah blah whatever. It's like that wasn't going to happen. And the only reason that was happening was because they were losing every game like forty to thirty eight. Um, and, and so like something was going to change in that capacity, like you can't just lean on that and say, oh, he's going to throw for 6,000 yards this year. I think their offense will be very good. And I think they very clearly have the best offense in the division. And ultimately that's the most important thing in today's NFL. And so, you know, there's a lot of risk there but I do think it's a fair idea to ultimately believe
1: that they are the best team at present time. I think the McCarthy factor is still concerning. I think mm-hmm. so. They come back to it. like, I, I don't, I don't think we know if Mike McCarthy is really like a good head coach for the Cowboys. I mean, last year I would say very much not good or not very encouraging results on that front. I think Rivera is the best coach in the division. And I think that's a, a big thing you have to consider. And if you're, Adding like the peak of Ryan Fitzpatrick with the peak of Ron Rivera, I think that's better than what the Cowboys have now. You know, you're not going to get the peak consistently out of Ryan Fitzpatrick, so that's a wild card. I don't think the Giants should be discounted, RJ, and that's mm, come from that's someone controversial. who. Well, oh, there, there you go. That's coming from someone who like never took the Giants seriously for a long time because the Eagles would own them. Like I think it was. Right. It's the I hear you remember you're like the you're of
0: super head. famous. Uh,
1: Donovan McNabb, yeah. Eli Manning. Yeah. that is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like like they just it why any time I see the Giants on the Eagles schedule like two wins like cuz it, it always has been. It wasn't last year, it was only one. Um but I think the Giants actually have something going for them here now. Like they've they've definitely upgraded. I think that much can't even be debated. Like they have some like, like they added Kenny Galladay. Uh they they're bringing Leonard Williams back. I think Dory Jackson and James Badbury could be one of the NFL's best quarterback duos. Like I think those are both really good players. I like Joe Judge. Uh I think everyone was like oh this guy is just a gimmick blah 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 i think he kind of got some good results out of the giants last year now daniel jones here is the big x factor <laughs> i th- he has talent like i i do believe that i don't know if you can ever get over the fumbling thing because i saw them not able to do that with carson wentz and it's still an issue but i just don't think you can count the giants out and it's been so long for them maybe like it's just finding like time and they're like they're just sick of tired of losing and they and they Figure it out. I'm not going to say they're the favorites, but I think it's, I think it's, uh, honestly, I think it's up for grabs for anyone still. Like it is pretty much every year. But, uh, I, yeah, and that's, that's why I would say I would, I would say it's not just a lock the Cowboys are going to win. When it comes to the Giants,
0: I agree. I think that they're, they're kind of the more, you know, that's, that's the hot, like, oh, here's my, not that you're doing this, but here's my controversial take is the Giants could win the division. I bet, like, that's a real thing. Um, I, I do believe that they are still, going to be weighed down offensively by Jason Garrett I mean almost all of the data this past year showed that like there was innovation from almost literally every other NFL offense except for the Giants like in that particular capacity they regressed and that's like you know Saquon Barkley back We didn't even mention him but like Jason Garrett is like pumped right like Jason Garrett is so pumped to run Saquon Barkley 30 times a game like and, and then, like, get to the red zone and just throw a jump ball to Kenny Galladay. Like, that's that's what he wants to do. Like, that it's his modern-day DeMarco Murray, Des Bryant. Like, that's what he's trying to do with the New York Giants. To the, to the Mike McCarthy point, I actually thought about this when he had his press conference a few weeks ago. I don't know if you saw this, but he accidentally revealed that um, Cowboys defensive end Tyrone Crawford was retiring. And so it kind of made him look, like, all funny, whatever. But I was thinking about it. That was his first in-person press conference since the combine last year okay and it was only his second in-person press conference ever at the star right like his place of work because the first one was his introductory press conference and then so the thing i really thought about was that was really his third in-person press conference since he got fired by the green bay packers in 2018 like and where i've given him not a pass but he literally I know it became like this joke and this meme, but he literally spent the entire 2019 season devising a plan. Right. Like he did. Like he he had a plan. It was a very, very well documented thing, and like got completely thrown away. You know what I mean? Like in and so in that sense, like he he did have to pivot. Um, shout out to Ross Geller. But I mean, and, and that doesn't that doesn't make it acceptable. But, you know, I'm I'm willing to to see more to gain a larger sample size of three.
1: I think that's part of what good coaching is though. Like things aren't always going to sure. go right. There's going to be adversity. You have to pivot. You have to find a way to make the most out of nothing. And I don't know that he did. Uh, the Cowboys could win the division. I'm not saying they can't. I'm, I'm just saying like it shouldn't. I, I see a lot of things. They're just like, oh, Dak's back guaranteed. And we don't even know how healthy Dak is going to be, right? Like, is it just a, a guarantee? He's going to pick up exactly where he left off from last year. I think he has great weapons. I think he could. I'm not saying it's possible once again, but I I don't know. What if this injury like impacts it more than people expect? Fair, fair to doubt them, but the division as a whole is a disaster. That's
0: that's really what they're benefiting the most from right now. But um, Okay, let's move on. Um, I will stay in the East. However, I will flip conferences. I believe, and I don't know this is controversial as much as it is just not being talked about enough. I think that the Bills had the best offseason in the conference. Hmm. I, I think that the Bills had the best offseason in the entire AFC. They They go out. They're the only really good offense you know to use a really lame term that added right to go out and get Emmanuel Sanders i love that they didn't really lose anybody they wanted defensively and I I'm this is gonna sound like a joke I love the Mitchell Trubisky signing I really do like that like tell me that you cannot see now in a longer NFL regular season Josh Allen's gonna have like a thumb issue or something that knocks him out for one game and it's it's the same reason I, this was under different circumstances. I liked the Andy Dalton signing last year by the Cowboys. Like, the, I would rather have Mitchell Trubisky than, you know, almost any rookie, if in a pinch. And I, again, I know how silly that sounds, but that's a hard,
1: s- sort of loosely stable level of security to find. He's the MVP, RJ. That's true. That's the Nickelodeon is the most, most valuable player. But think,
0: like, seriously, they got a quarterback that started a playoff game. Like that's I mean, in a vacuum, yeah. that's a really nice thing to have.
1: It is. Look, look, I'm not gonna argue against you with that. I look, I cover a team that signed Joe Flacco for 3.5 million when you could have had Mr. Trubisky for 2.5. Uh, you know, different situations, roles, whatever. Still, though. I mean, like, this is a player who, like, at least in theory, has upside still. It's not like the the Bills are looking to move on from Josh Allen, but like, it's just it's, it's a, yeah it's a f- totally fine totally fine backup signing why do you love their offseason as a whole though like what do you really really love about it like i love it, the i love this? the
0: emmanuel sanders move because okay. i think i i know that kansas city went after juju smith schuster and, and i recognize that i don't know that that like impresses me and maybe spoiler alert, that that kind of has to do with a, a take i have about the pittsburgh steelers but what what other outside of indianapolis and I, new england you but to your point, you you don't believe New England to be a contender, I guess, with Buffalo. I mean, Indianapolis added Carson Wentz, who, again, big question mark here. What other AFC legitimate contender like added a legitimate playmaker to their offense that, that will take their offense to however higher? It, it, it could be minimally higher, but higher still higher, to a higher level. I mean, Baltimore added Sammy Watkins cool Mm. (laughs) you know like that's that's the thing like buffalo was the only one to really add and so like even a small addition in the wake of or not wake in in the like example of emmanuel sanders i mean is big is noticeable and and like i love I, i think it was so important when buffalo realized what josh allen was and said you know what this kelvin benjamin thing This isn't going to work out. We need receivers that can create separation. We're going to go get Cole Beasley. We're going to go get Stefan Diggs, who is just like that. Emmanuel Sanders. Like it, it only adds to their, it's like, it's not another like infinity stone, but it's, it's Mm. doubling down on, on what their, what their quarterback's greatest strength is. And if you're doing that, you're really, really increasing your chances of success.
1: Yeah, I was looking up uh your, to answer your question about like who else made the big ads in the AFC in terms of skill players and whatnot. I mean, I guess you could argue uh, the Dolphins with um Will Fuller, but I'm not into a, a guy, so eh, I think the impact there could be limited. Um, but but yeah, Will I, Fuller
0: will be dependent on in Miami much more than Emmanuel Sanders will be in Buffalo, and and, and he so also like won't be available, right? And the, that's that's part of the point, though, like a heavier part of the plan is being placed on Will Fuller's shoulders in Miami, which is inherently flawed like as a design concept. Whereas Buffalo, like Emmanuel Sanders, it's, I feel like it's so rare. We, we do this, like when JJ White is available, like, Oh, you can go here and just like, kind of be this like dude on a pitch kind of whatever. Like, I'm not saying Emmanuel Sanders can do that, but, like, it's a very unique role and opportunity that he's kind of made a lot out of as of late, like when he got traded to San Francisco, when he went to New Orleans, and it didn't really work in New Orleans, obviously. But, like, he's kind of good at this, like, like pinch runner role type thing.
1: Bill has also retained a number of key guys that they kept Darrell Williams here. They kept Matt Milano there. John Uh, Feliciano. Feliciano. Yeah, so I think it's pretty important. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be good again. Um, Good reason to feel good about them winning the AFC East.
0: Yeah. Well, so you agree?
1: Awesome, awesome take, awesome opinion by
0: me. So what? Okay, let's let's take a break because we're actually we have a lot more to fly through. Um, so we're gonna not speed round, but uh, definitely um, definitely have some fun. So we'll be back right after a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. All right, welcome back. We are discussing our most controversial opinions of the NFL offseason so far. Uh, BLG has mostly agreed with me, so I think I've done a great job. Uh, Brandon, we appreciate you stepping in for Pete Sweeney. Give us your
1: next controversial take. Let's stay in the AFC. I think you kind of mentioned the Colts earlier. Oh, Chris Ballard. Chris Ballard gets all this hype as a good gentleman. And I think he is certainly not a bad one. And when you look at, you know, what the Colts have had to deal with in terms of quarterback situation, I think he's done a good job at making the most out of things. But staking your tenure here, potentially on Carson Wentz, it's not a good decision to me. And not only that, not only that thing, and obviously, you know, I'm going to bring that up. People can accuse them, bias, whatever. Uh, I think also just like, where is the support system? I mean, they're they're kind of running it back with TY, okay. But like, they had all this cap space to spend. I think some of the Mm -hmm. most in the league. And I, I get they have to resign their own guys, and that's fine. But like, you also have to add. Like, that's I think that's something we've been talking about, not only on this show, R.J., uh, and going back to the 49ers conversation earlier, but throughout the offseason, like, you can't just stay status quo. You have to add, and the Colts are going to be able to potentially do that in the draft, so we'll see how they do there, and maybe that's what they do, and, they, and they've they certainly done well in the draft, um, but, yeah, I, I just think you know we talk about Chris Ballard as if he's, like, maybe the best GM in the league, and this, this Carson Wentz trade is a pretty big gamble, and I think it could, you know, it could be the downfall of him, ultimately. So I have this
0: on my list as well, which will make you happy. And I'll go back full circle to a point we had earlier. Chris Bauer is kind of like kind of the Kyle Shanahan of general managers, right? Like, you know, nice. has this like gigantic level of trust um, and has some success to to back that up and to support that. But I, I think he's gotten incredibly lucky. It, like, right, like and, and lucky. And that's a really hard way to put this. Make Andrew it, lucky. Well, yeah, a bit of a pun, obviously, like that that really and they deserve a large level of leniency for trying to combat that and trying to figure it out. And they did that. And so respect to them. But I mean, like they they kind of lucked into Philip Rivers um, and that they really just treaded water. Like, okay, cool. You you lost in the playoffs. Fine. You know, a fair result. The Carson Wentz thing would be risky enough on its own. I, I don't think you would disagree right now the Philadelphia Eagles are a really really poorly run organization. I would not want the thing that they are so desperate to get rid of. Like whatever the thing is, I I would not want the thing. And so I I mean, I I don't think they paid an enormous amount. Well, that that remains to be seen, I suppose. But I mean, I also I I I know you've talked about this a lot like about how how Wentz needs to to be humbled, right? Like Wentz needs to kind of come down to earth. I really did not like for the Colts' sake that and we don't know the exact specifics that went into this. And I know ultimately ended up happening, but that they complied with him in not letting Philly reporters ask him questions in his introductory press conference. Like if, if I was Chris Ballard and, and Carson Wentz, you know, Hey man, how you doing? Glad you're here. Whatever. What number are you going to wear? Awesome. Whatever. And he said, Oh, by the way, dude, I don't want any Philly questions in my press. I would have said, no, hell no. You, You have to answer all of them. Like, that's why you're here. You're here to like make a new. And I know he did his interview on the Pat McAfee show. Like, he seems like the same guy, which is incredibly concerning if you're Chris Ballard, and especially if you're Chris Ballard that has now staked your entire reputation on him moving forward.
1: And where's the pivot here? Like, what do they do if this doesn't work out? Like, There's no there's no backup plan now that you feel good. It's Jacob Beeson behind him. I think they're going to sign Nate Sudfeld at some point, who's boys with Carson Wentz and has the same agent as Carson Wentz. Um, and obviously, you know, Frank Reich knows him from Philly. Uh, it's like, what, what do you do if this doesn't work out, and you potentially don't have a first round pick next year, depending on you know on how that plays out with the conditions and everything. Obviously, if, if Wentz is just terrible, then they they can just bench him uh, and make sure they do keep their first round pick. But uh, I, I don't think it's going to go like that. They're, they're going to you know want to give him a shot here. I just think it's time. Like the results are going to have to come. It's something I've said on the uh, ESPN NFL shows, Oddcast, earlier this offseason. But like w- we have to see it from Frank Reich. And Chris Bauer because I think like they've had some leniency and some of that is reasonably afforded but they're one and two in the playoffs and like now's the time to get it done like they now it's time to put up or shut up they're one and two in the playoffs at the one win coming over Bill O'Brien right
0: like you know so like that's a necessary caveat i do think the ty hilton thing is a great point ty's fun i'm sure everybody that's listening i'm sure both of us have had him on our fantasy team at one point in time like he's that guy right like they, you know yeah i had ty hilton in 2015 or whatever you know like you've ever we've all kind of run through that um but that like the fact that they didn't go get kenny galladay like they weren't even like heavily connected to them you know what i mean like is is troubling and it's also I've i've said before like on bgn radio like I do think the Eagles mismanaged Wentz in a lot of capacities. like that they didn't help him in certain ways. And so, like, why not learn from that if you're his new team and, and go help him out? So it's either an insane level of hubris or incompetence, um, and neither one of them are good. Uh, but so I will move on to a team that has operated in a very similar way with their quarterback, the Green Bay Packers. But my controversial take is that the Packers have kind of handled the Aaron Rodgers thing well, I think. Um, hmm. And they, they really haven't done anything. But that just... And it's so rare that this happens, especially with a superstar like him, that that goes away. Right. Like, it, like, think about it. We're talking on Monday. He's set to host Jeopardy for the next two weeks. He's in the news constantly. There's all these like, you know, articles and posts and blogs and everything. And like, we all just kind of forgot that he wanted out. You know what I mean? And and so I think that that worked out really well for them. And, and you can define that how you want, but it's no longer a thing. And every other quarterback, you know, kind of found a home, so to
1: speak. And so, I think it kind of worked out for the Packers. I don't know. I think this Packers front office is a little suspect. I mean, you, sure. you, at, you know how they, they, um, they handle the I'm talking the,
0: about like right now, like 2021, they have, they have survived. Uh, but, I mean, the future remains to be obviously seen.
1: Yeah, I, I just – I don't feel confident in them. I mean, you look at the draft again – it's, it's Jordan Love. It's a running back in the second right. round. Right, and they haven't helped Rodgers in free agency, to be fair. And, and that's an issue. Like, this year, so, okay, instead of letting their – PFF's number one overall center, Corey Lindsay, like, instead of retaining him, you're letting him walk while you're you're paying big money to a running back, in Aaron Jones – which I almost wonder if Rogers was involved in that and like, you know, wanted to make sure like Jones stayed and everything, but like who they really added He's got a nickname for everybody. He's one of those dudes. So, so it's like a hockey thing. Yeah. yeah. Jersey. Like who have they added though? I mean, they kept Mercedes Lewis. Okay, great. Uh, that's it on offense. That's literally it. They haven't added anyone last year. The only guy they added was the opt out uh, like Devin Funches Like, give the guy some more help i know he's aaron Rodgers. i know he just had an mvp season but like why not do some more things to help him and again the draft hasn't happened maybe that's where they go Uh, they find a way to to do that there but like i get why aaron Rodgers might be frustrated when you're not giving him more pieces to work with i would love to see the packers kind of treat the situation ironically the way the seahawks
0: have adjusted their team like if you're the packers like your future first round picks mean nothing right now. Like you're going to be your first round pick next year is going to be like 28, right? Whatever. I mean, at at best. So if you want to move up, if Devontae Smith is falling, friend of the show, I mean, you know, go get him. Like, And maybe that is the plan, to be fair, to your point. But I I completely agree that they are suspect. But my point is like this kind of went away. And I really thought that this was going to be like the main story the entire offseason, like where is it? Like we're talking more this was this was never going like predictable at the time. We're talking more about Russell Wilson playing somewhere else than we are Aaron Rodgers playing something else. And that seemed impossible that we could be NFC championship game.
1: Yeah. I mean that's good. I mean I remember doing the podcast like right after the Rogers stuff after the loss where, like, and we're like in stats was like almost convinced he's gonna be traded probably to the 49ers knowing <laughs> him. But him. uh I feel like looking at it here, thinking about it, just thought just popped into my mind. Maybe the Packers should try to be more like the team they couldn't beat twice last year, and that is the mm. Buccaneers. In terms of like you have this star quarterback, uh, MVP caliber, you know, top of the like one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history. The Bucs went out and they got like a bunch of names, a bunch of guys, like star maybe not even stars in their prime, like in Namakung Su, but you know, guys who are like like good players, big names, star talent um and the packers just don't do that it's all about trying to do it like homegrown and guess which one of those teams won the super bowl it was the bucks it was the guys who made the effort to like go all in and and to your point about like trading first round picks i mean i I almost think they they should have been doing it more like the rams have like where jalen ramsey's available like go get him. get more stars for your team you need more star talent it can't just be rogers and a bunch of nobodies like get more stars to help your main star i want to interrupt um this
0: controversial take with a different controversial take um i mentioned i read football morning in america already uh to prepare for our podcast because i'm that's i'm really good obviously um and peter king talked about the number change proposal that the kansas city chiefs had my controversial take i hate that i don't want the numbers to change um i know you're a uniform purist as well certain numbers make sense right like cer- certain players make sense in certain numbers and, and they can't wear other numbers and like it's a it's an awful decision like some dudes can't wear number seven right like you just you, you can't rocket brian hoyer you know what i mean like you can't rocket case Keenum. like number seven belongs on certain dudes um you've got to you got to be like you know you got to have a certain profile to your game or whatever and i hate the idea of the nfl potentially allowing single digits to be worn by running backs or receivers and defensive backs but Peter King wrote in Football Morning America that it's probably going to happen, which is devastating for me. And he wrote that Jalen Ramsey really wants to switch to number eight, which is the number he wore at FSU. That is just I, I don't I hate that.
1: I hate the whole concept of that. I don't love it. So Benjamin Solak from BGN and I do a hashtag jersey number analytics podcast uh, RJ. every year. We just did an emergency one from J- for Jalen Hurts switching for number two to number one, which is, is a strong move, by the way. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, I- but, like, so this, it throws such a wrench in everything. Like, everything that I've known, uh, and this kind of goes back to the 17 game thing and change and whatever. Right. We get, uh, maybe we get used to it. Maybe we see it in person or, or over time when you come to love it more. I, I, I don't hate it. I, I don't think they shouldn't do it. I think maybe, like, maybe not as extreme as they're suggesting there. Like, maybe loosen things a little bit more. So part of the problem here is and, and peter king pointed this out too is like some of these teams i think the bears have like 14 retired numbers first of all that feels like way too many for a Agreed. team that's not even winning as much that's- It's like it's not like you know like the patriots are like you know or like the steelers or whatever or or god forbid even the cowboys um do the cowboys retire numbers they actually don't
0: they there are, there are certain numbers they don't give out but they're none mm-hmm. that are officially formally retired
1: yeah, it's hard. Like once you're retiring the numbers, maybe you kind of have to. I don't know. I feel like by the way, but that's totally. your
0: fault. Like if you're if you're the one like in the yeah the, the point that that is raised is like it's it's complicated with the number of practice squad people, which I realize is mm-hmm. is an issue. But you know what? Then let them wear double numbers. Like yeah. that's that's a better solution. Like if if yeah. some and and maybe like to use Jalen Ramsey as an example, like a practice squad guy doesn't wear number twenty for the Rams, but they can wear double numbers if they're on the practice squad. Like they don't have to have, that's actually a really big gripe of mine that like practice squad players hold numbers that should otherwise belong to other players. Like Jamil yeah. showers held number 28 forever for the Cowboys, which is a great number for certain positions and
1: nobody could take it because he was on the practice squad. For him. Yeah. I feel like they should be able to wear any number who cares. Like I, I, while they're on the practice squad, right, if you right, right. To the main roster, then you fix it. But like what, what does it matter on the practice squad? But Totally different thought. They got to bring double zero back and single zero back. Like, how about through that? Like, th- there you go. You're adding two more numbers. I think those should be jerseys again in the NFL. I also believe
0: that Derrick Henry will change numbers. I remember when he was coming into the NFL, he waited forever to pick a jersey number um, because he was number two at Alabama. Obviously, he ended up wearing 22. But I, I, I do believe that that Peter King's right, that there will be a number of guys who were really attached to numbers at the college level. That. and to your point like zero and double zero will that soon become a thing because at a certain point like you and like that is cool like shout out russell westbrook like it looks cool on certain dudes uh but i mean and gilbert arenas or jim otto and or jim otto that's a great point uh but so that was my sort of baked in controversial take but i'll let you go now BLG.
1: going back to the nfc uh, I think the Lions are on the right path, RJ. I actually do. A lot of, See, a lot of people are making fun of Dan Campbell, you know, the biting the kneecaps and everything. Like, oh, football guy doesn't know what he's doing, totally in over his head. I think the Lions have been, I don't know, I think, I know the Lions have been this loser culture, a relevant football team for, Forever now, when's the last time they won in the playoffs? Forever ago, have never won a Super Bowl. They need some attitude. They need a culture change. They need some energy. Now, you can't just have Dan Campbell be this guy all the time, and this be his gimmick because that doesn't work out, and that does burn out. But to have like a touch of that, and I I just like the coaching staff he's assembled there, and maybe it's because you know he added Deuce Staley from the Eagles as assistant head coach, and I think that was a good move. I think there's a lot of former players on that staff. But beyond that, even going beyond the coaching, which I think a lot of people are focused on, I think Brad Holmes as general manager is a really good hire. I think the Rams have done a lot of smart things, not everything, but I think they've made a lot of smart moves. And I feel more encouraged now probably than I ever have about the direction of the Lions. I agree. Mostly. What a boring show or disagree.
0: Well, it's because like there are are dumb things that aren't happening or or dumb things that aren't, you know, are, are happening. And so we have to correct them all and we're clearly obviously right, which is why maybe we do need our own show if, if our bosses are listening. Um, But I agreed that the Lions were in dramatic need of a culture change, especially because I think they went the in complete opposite direction of, of, a, of a promising culture change with Matt Patricia. Like, I, I will never forget his interview about like telling the reporter to sit up straight and things like that. Like, okay, fine. <laughs> like, Dan Campbell is is cheesy or whatever you want to call it, but like he's appealing. And, and like, I think that that's valuable. And I think that, This is always a hard line to walk, but Aaron Rodgers will leave the NFC North at a certain point after I'm done giving kudos to the Packers front office. And then that division's wide open. And so, like, if you're setting yourself up for that time, Jared Goff will not be a part of the plans at that moment, I I believe. And I do think the only misstep the Lions have made in this whole reboot is the uniform change. I missed the black stripe on the helmets. It was so Mm. nice. Um, But overall, and I love that the picks they got from the Rams are not until next year. Like I, I hate when a team makes a big trade and then immediately has to figure it out. Like you need time. That's the whole point of this. Is you need time to assess, time to evaluate, hopefully, time for college football to return to normal so you can get a better handle on the draft process. Like I, I think it would have been to their hindrance had the Lions gotten all that draft capital this immediate season. And so, because the the valuable part of getting a big haul from a draft trade is that you get rookie contracts. And so if if you're not good enough to be good, When they're on those rookie contracts, then all you do is set yourself up for failure when the bill comes and you have to pay all those players. And so, like that, that has never worked. When when the Eagles traded up with the Browns, that nucleus didn't pay out. When the Rams traded up with the Titans, that nucleus didn't pay out. And I I think that Detroit's nucleus that they'll ultimately net from this has a chance to play out. The Jared Goff element of this really is kind of a mood point. um, I feel for him, but like I'm I'm a low key kind of Pistons fan, and so I'm a fan Hmm. of Detroit really getting some like promise from an athletic perspective um so i like this this generation of the lions uh but what i will say to caution both of us is the lions have have sort of flirted with the idea of hope before and everyone has been burned by it
1: Oh sure yeah but i think that's why i'm encouraged by this is like this feels a little bit different this feels like like a kick in the tail that they need potentially and i think they're doing more than one thing in terms of like they're not going all in to win now, which is I think the correct read of their situation. I think they needed to trade Stafford and take a step back to potentially go forward in the long term. And I think to your point about like Rogers still being here at the top of the division, like maybe don't try to go all in because he's kind of like the Golden State Warriors. And like you kind of – you're probably not going to top him anyway. So you're going to have golf and it will kind of keep you competitive, which is nice because like you're not totally just bottoming out. Like you're still trying to win, trying to establish culture – At the same time, you know you have those draft picks in store down the road. You know this isn't going to be a quick fix. Will they give Dan Campbell like a six-year contract? And like everyone was like freaking out about that. But that like that shows like they're committed to a long-term vision, and that should be the vision. Now that doesn't guarantee they're going to execute it right. They they could mess it up along the way. But again, I like the GM hire, like Brad Holmes. I think that was a smart decision. I think we're not going to see results pay off here for a little bit, potentially, but if they stay the course and they are patient, then I think, I think Lions fans, for the first time in a long time, have reason to be hopeful. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And I think another element is that they were able to get something out of Matthew Stafford.
0: Like, too often, teams hold on yeah. way too long. And you mentioned the Warriors. I think some, a lot of people are, are, are very eager to comp you know, the Oklahoma city thunder to somebody, the lions are kind of the thunder of the NFL, like stocking up for the future. And like moving on from Stafford was like, and this was a while back moving on from muscle Russell, uh, Russell Westbrook. I mean, like it was time and I respect that they can acknowledge that and they can like wish him the better. And I actually think that's kind of a low key great analogy. Cause I think that Stafford in, in LA could end up like Westbrook with the rockets, Um like this incredibly hype thing that doesn't pan out, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but either way, um, I, I like one more the, thing on that. Oh, okay. What is it?
1: So you mentioned, you know, I'm thinking about Chris Paul. Remember Chris Paul went to the, to the, you know, the, the Thunder in what? The, um, the Clippers last trade year.
0: last year. Yeah.
1: Or whatever it was. Yeah. But he went to the, he was on the Thunder and there's a lot of thought like, oh, you know, the Thunder just going to buy him out, whatever. Cause he didn't fit, you know, cause the, the Thunder like this Ooh. rebuilding team and he's this veteran. So what if, And but then they wisely held on to him and they were able to flip him. This offseason. So, what if the Lions do something like that with Jared Goff for like, he's not their guy, but they hold on to him and they kind of like, and he's fine this year. He's not amazing because he's Jared Goff, but another team, like they can flip him for something in return too. So, they can even get value for him. That's just more to your Thunder point. Mm, that's a great. Great point.
0: Yeah, it's really boring. I think people expected like a lot of clash here, but you know, hey, (laughs) sometimes things just make sense. I'm going to stay in the NFC North and maybe a team that will be in the Jared Goff sweepstakes next year uh, if that does happen. And this is probably the most controversial take that we've had so far to set you up here. I think that the Bears getting killed for Andy Dalton is a little silly. Um, <laughs> no, but, but like in this, like it's a, it is silly that they have gone like super deep, right? Like QB one, like, you know, they've, they've gone way too far with it, but I'm going to read you BLG, the quarterbacks that have found new homes this offseason by way of free agency. They don't really include the, the big time trade candidates, Mitchell Trubisky. The the Buffalo Bills, as mentioned, Jacoby Brissett, the Miami Dolphins. Obviously, Cam Newton returned to the Patriots. Brandon Allen returned to the Cincinnati Bengals. Ryan Finley was traded by the Bengals to the Houston Texans. Terod Taylor, the Houston Texans also ended up with. uh, They've also been linked to Alex Smith should the Deshaun Watson situation uh, not resolve itself. Carson Wentz, uh, I mentioned, you know, obviously traded for uh, CJ Beathard joined the Jacksonville Jaguars. Chase Daniel, a new member of the Los Angeles Chargers. Obviously, Dak Prescott returned to the Cowboys. Mike Glennon. It's a member of the New York Giants, Joe Flacco, to your point, now a Philadelphia Eagle, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, now a member of the Washington football team. So all that being said, like, what was their option? You know what I mean? Like, like of all the options that I just read, maybe somebody would say Ryan Fitzpatrick, but, like, the Bears got somebody who started nine games in the NFL last year. And, and like, the only other, I, like, I'm using this term loosely, viable starter is Mitchell Trubisky, who they were walking away from. And so, like, what was the, what was the plan? I mean, you know, like, or what, what was the better plan if if they were going to go the path of free agency? They are a talented team to some level, to some level, they're they're a playoff team after all. And I I don't necessarily believe that like going all in on Andy Dalton is going to be the answer. We've we've used the caveat a lot that maybe they're going to be involved in in a trade, maybe they're going to jump up to four with the Atlanta Falcons, whatever. But I mean, of all options, of all practical and you know, conceivable and feasible options to date. I don't think they had a better option than Andy Dalton.
1: Well, they should have fired the GM and the head coach.
0: Sure. That's sure. Real like, I mean, that's of course, but like that completely changes the timeline of where you're at. Like, I I think it's a bit foolish, but I understand wanting to hold on because they do feel like they're close because they've been in the playoffs two of the last three years. They they have a defense that they they're not the Pittsburgh Steelers. But like we've said many times, like that defense isn't gonna allow the Steelers to bottom out to the point that they would be at the top of the draft next year. The Bears have a legitimate defense that will prohibit them from, you know, completely cratering. And so, yeah, I mean, this is Chicago Bears football, right? Like an average quarterback at best with a great defense,
1: but I don't think they
0: had a better option than Andy
1: Dalton. I would have made a harder push for Fitzpatrick. If this is if they're going all in this year, I would have done that. But I think that's stupid. So I wouldn't have done that at all. And I would, again, just fired the head coach and the GM. I know you're saying the thing about the defense, but the, the like realistic thing here, RJ, is like this is a waste of a year. And everyone sure. knows it. Air sands Noah, everyone knows it. This is just like they're just delaying the inevitable. Like what is the point of this situation? Like you're just wasting cap space on Andy Dalton. Like you're not gonna like what is the point of going at best? And also just from like a stylistic standpoint, like it's just not gonna be fun to watch. So like what is what is the point of this bear season? Like that's my question. Like what is what is the goal? Like what is the realistic outcome that you're hoping for? Like I just don't get it. It's a waste of time. This whole season is a waste of time. I mean I don't think it's inconceivable that
0: they could be a playoff team again especially in a world with three wild cards. So buddy. what? Well, but hang on. Like that's that's the goal. Like it's stupid that that's the goal, but like that's the goal. What do you mean goal. that's the goal? That's the goal. We're, again, we have to like adjust our standards here because this is the Bears. And so all that being said, and they could trade up to four overall, but like think about the the moment the dust settles on the 2020 season, right? Okay, well, we're not going to we're not going to take a quarterback at 1 or 2, right? Because Jacksonville and New York are not trading up. And maybe they didn't want to trade what San Francisco did to get to number three. Maybe they don't feel like arbitrary quarterback X is a better option in 2021 than Andy Dalton. And so, like, if the focus, for whatever reason, which is debatable as a philosophy, but if the focus is the 2021 season for the Chicago Bears, I don't know that they had a better option. They should have traded for Carson Wentz. I, that we just killed the Colts for that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and that then you're really, really setting yourself up poorly because, unlike the Colts, where you know, Chris Ballard and Frank Reich are stable in their job security, if you're the Bears and you trade for Carson Wentz and then you don't have a first round pick next year, you know who you are? You're the Houston Texans, where you don't have any draft capital and you're trying to convince all these general managers to come take over your team. And so, you're you have an aging roster, you have no draft capital, and you are stuck. And so, like, I think that they were wise not to trade for Carson Wentz. I would much rather, in terms of like potential for like the future. Again, this is really adjusting the standard here. I would much rather, if I'm a
1: Bears fan, have Andy Dalton than have traded for Carson Wentz. I agree from a future standpoint. From a standpoint of if I'm Ryan Pace or Matt Nagy, I think the upside, like the theoretical ceiling of Carson Wentz, is what is like basically the only thing that could save their jobs. But how achievable is somehow? It's so you know I what don't I mean? think it I agree, I don't think it's realistic, but it exists. There's like a non-zero chance that is that's real. Fair. Where like th- that is zero for Andy Dalton. Like, there's zero chance that's gonna happen. So I don't and I don't think it was realistic too, because Wentz didn't want to go there. Although you could say that like if you're the Bears, like make an offer the Eagles just can't refuse. Like they like they have to trade you him, even though he doesn't want to be there, and you just can somehow try to convince him to play for you. It's look, there's no good answer here. So on that, that point, that's, I agree. that's the point.
0: There was no good answer, so th- this was the least of all evils. Which, like, Andy Dalton's a nice guy, it feels mean to put it that way, but like, it really was the least of all the evils. And we, like, I've said before, I think that, um, if you believe the Cowboys are the favorite to win the NFC, East, I think you believe that, but like, you don't believe the gap is is all too wide. But if I think it's fair to say that the Cowboys, if they are the favorites to win the NFC, East, have the path of least resistance to winning their division. When you look at the caliber of the teams around them, I think the Packers are number two on that list. However, that also means that if you're the Chicago Bears and the Packers do suffer a misstep for whatever reason, and to your point, to our point, the Packers didn't exactly help Aaron Rodgers. I mean, this like if the Packers are not a factor, suddenly the the NFC North is seemingly wide open because the Lions are not going to be truly competitive and so your biggest competition is Kirk Cousins, who BLG loves, you know, like it's it's not a, a wise bet, but there are worse bets to make is my point. So that's why, like, again, they made it worse on themselves by, like, announcing it the way that they have and and really, like, you know, sort of yes. in, inciting the riot. But I they're think they're rubbing it in the fans faces. Right. I think it it makes sense is my point. All right. I have two more. RJ. Can OK, get to go for it. Go ahead.
1: You can do them both right, in a row. The- this is going to be most controversial to, obviously, the listeners of this podcast, which are mostly Eagles fans, because it's an Eagles podcast with a national focus. Right. I have written down on my list here, Eagles could feasibly be the NFL's worst team next year. That's totally Taking Number one overall. but it, So it's almost not controversial. So to almost make it more controversial, I was thinking maybe the Eagles have the widest range of possible outcomes of any team next season. Is that controversial? I think so. Um. I mean, I think think it's true. I think think
0: some might think that's controversial. I think that the state of Pennsylvania has the two teams that have the widest range of possible outcomes because the Steelers, the Steelers equally have a chance of and I know I already said they wouldn't bottom out. But like the Steelers have something the Eagles have already, I guess, not they've already lost in that the Steelers have the only way that they would completely implode is if they're so bad and then the culture gets rocked right like there's this why'd you go back to Big Ben and there, there's all this like infighting and like that's already happened with the Eagles but like that that could happen with the Steelers and that's a wild card factor
1: and I guess if like the defense gets super injured too right. like something like that I think that the Eagles though like I mean they have the makings of a team that could be number one overall like Jalen Hurts might be nothing like I like Jalen Hurts I have hopes for them but or him but like he could easily be the worst starting quarterback in the NFL last year. Like that's not or this year. It's not hard to like say that's uh, possible. You also look at how like offensive line, a lot of guys coming off an injury there. If they're healthy, they could be good, but that's a, that's a huge, if uh, left tackle unsettled, don't even know. Cornerback two right now don't have one on the roster, uh, their wide receiver core, as I mentioned on the podcast last week, and that's like the fifth time I mentioned the podcast which is just par for the course here, Monday football Monday anyway, uh, is like Travis Fulgham, Jalen Rager, JJ Ortega-Whiteside, Greg Ward, Quez Watkins, John Hightower, and Khalil Tate, who uh, is not even a wide receiver, it's college quarterback, turning into a wide receiver. So, you know, they're going to upgrade in the draft, blah, 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 whatever. But like, also just the coaching staff. This is Nick Sirianni. We don't we don't know what he is as a head coach, and this whole coaching staff is like the youngest coaching staff in the NFL. The Eagles actually have the youngest coordinator in the NFL. Michael Clay, their special teams coordinator, uh, he's only like twenty nine. So uh, that's the same age as me, RJ. That's crazy. Um, I just think that the. The potential here, and and also by the way, to to add into this, like th- that would be a good thing for this team. I think them bottoming out would sure. be a good thing because I think it could potentially be what is the nail and Howie Roseman's coffin. Although I won't believe it till I see it. And obviously, just getting that number one pick. Maybe there's a quarterback next year. You get him number one overall, and then hopefully you get the Colts pick in the first round. Get the Miami pick at some point, and then you just build it around it, and then that's where you go from there. So they could be the worst team, and it could be a good thing. I think that that's all fair. I
0: also that's an interesting question. Maybe that's a, a different episode. Maybe maybe we have like one of our low level shows attacked that like the podcast or something. But um, like teams with the like widest range of possibilities because the Eagles definitely are in in the running for like number one on this list. I think the Steelers are involved. I think the Saints are involved to get back in stats as good favor because we pissed them off earlier. I mean the the Saints could bottom out, dude. Like the Saints could be a disaster this season. Um, and I think that Saints fans would not want to stand that, especially if the Bucs continue to at least be like really competitive or even mildly competitive. Um, but um, I also think like I could see a world where Jalen Hurts plays like moderately well and then is flipped next year. You talked about flipping Jared Goff. Like, you know what I mean? Like and and but I do think I, I would be fascinated to see the Eagles bottom out and hold the number one overall pick and then still have two other first round picks. That, that's my worst nightmare as a Cowboys fan um is all of this draft capital which is why I'm really rooting for like uh Carson Wenslet Indianapolis Colts team to play the Miami Dolphins they the AFC championship game um so I mean that's that's the, the the hope but uh but yeah I think the Eagles they're they're right there uh which is is very fascinating it's gonna make for a fun 2021 for you
1: but I don't think it's impossible they could win the NFC East like they, but that, they have a chance th- that has to do with the division more than it does I agree the Eagles. And I'm not picking them to do that, to be clear, and I don't have faith that they will, but like, there's a scenario where Jalen Hurts plays way better than anyone expected. The offensive line is healthy, and the defensive line is healthy, and at that point, if those things are true, the Eagles arguably have the best trenches in the division on both sides of the ball if you're combining those. Uh, Steel players aren't there, big problem, but... Uh, and maybe Nick Sirianni comes in and maybe, you know, coaching was a bigger issue than we all realized or thought last year. And that kind of makes a difference. That's all, you know, pie in the sky, best case scenario But be- be- because of the division not being like a total lock at the top. It's possible. So I would, I'm, again, I'm clearly leaning on the side of the you know the bottom outcome there but i just think when you look at the range of outcomes it's it could be white that's fair you said you had one more and then we have one from twitter um so do you okay. want to
0: do you want to do you want to finish last i'll let you pick or guess, or do yeah you, okay well mine's
1: you, real quick i can just throw it in here okay let's go uh it's it's a draft one rj oh uh, i know you're a huge draft guy of course Devonte smith is friend of the show jefferson Yes, oh. the friend of the show, Devontae Smith. He's this year's Justin Jefferson. That's not to say he's gonna have the same level of success that Justin Jefferson did last year because that's insane. He's gonna be able I think to look he's the same way. He's over it's we're we're everyone's overthinking this. Right. Like Whatever I don't care about his weight. I don't care about Justin Jefferson, only slot receiver. By the way, total bogus. Um, like this dude dominated the SEC. He's a dog. I think people underrate that. Like this guy is like RJ. We had him on the SB Nation NFL show. He didn't care about any of the questions. He cared about football. He cared about winning. That's all he, he's, he's locked in. I know. He's focused Like that's that's all he cares about. And I think that's a credit to him. Like. That guy just wants to win. Like that's really all he wants to do. And I think that's huge. I think especially coming from a traumatized Eagles observer here who like the Eagles are drafting these players where I'm not sure where their priorities also are always are at Uh, a guy who's so locked in like that. Uh, So that's, that's, I feel like that's, that's somewhat controversial because you know, a lot of people love Jabbar Chase. They said he's even better than Justin Jefferson. Uh, Jalen Waddell gets talked about better than Devontae Smith. I'm a Devontae Smith guy.
0: I think we all as fans do this because Devontae Smith, I think, is a real candidate to be the Eagles pick at 12 overall. So I think you're like, you've got this, you're you're sort of like pre-convincing yourself of, of this like <laughs> reality, and you're like pre-putting it out there so no, that no, no, like, no. oh, I I totally think this. But I agree with the point in general. Um, and I I mean Kyle Pitts is awesome, but like we we have just forgotten about Devonte Smith, right? Like, and and people use this like t- like his size, right? Like, oh no, not going to happen, not going to work. It it did work, like you know, like it, it it literally worked. Um, and so I mean, I I think it is silly to completely overlook him. And you're and I I think the Bengals are going to look back if they take Jamar Chase and if if your Ooh. prophecy comes to hold and say, man, we let ourselves be convinced by Joe Burrow. Because he was boys, and and like Jamar Chase is a great football player. I'm not trying to take away from that, but like that, mm-hmm. you you might be removing a sense of objectivity in this particular case um, when it comes to Devontae Smith. And again, why would you not want somebody who had been on the ESPN NFL show? Does Devonte Smith have have a chance to be the highest drafted person to ever appear on the ESPN NFL show? At least in terms of being drafted after appearance, I think he does. It has to be him. Yeah. Wow. So we stand for Devonte here on the ESPN NFL show. Uh, well, it's fitting that you uh, referenced the draft because our Twitter suggestion who comes from or which comes from Zach Feldman on Twitter at Feldman underscore Zach um, has no love for his fellow Zach. Um, he said that Zach Wilson, who is likely going to be the second overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft, is his QB five BLG. He has them ranked wow. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson.
1: Your thoughts. So Zach Wilson, who we all think is going number two overall, the fifth best quarterback. I mean, I was listening, RJ, to the SBH NFL show on Friday, the draft special with uh, Kyle Posey. And Kyle Posey, not the biggest uh, Zach Wilson fan, you could say. Also had Scott Marks on, a special guest. They were talking about how they just don't really see it with Zach Wilson. I don't know. I feel like this is really bad podcasting content and and stuff for me because... And not having because I I don't know. I I just I got checked out on the quarterbacks because I just got locked in the hurts and I was like, they're probably not gonna take one. And obviously the trade down to twelve has really ruled that out for me. I think the thing with quarterbacks is no one knows what they're talking about. When it comes to the draft in general, no one knows what they're talking about. Everything I said about Devontae Smith there will like be guaranteed to be wrong, even though after uh, the Eagles take him. Yeah. Well, that's (laughs) not gonna happen because they only take offensive and defensive linemen, really, for the most part so yeah so i don't know rj what about you i think that the
0: primary point here, and i'm not accusing zach feldman of this but is that we're in the overthinking part of the draft process like you know what i mean like that that's where we've reached Where it's like well i no, i saw something and like so of the nfl scouts always say trust your eyes trust your first instinct and, and that's not me uh that's not you but like you know that's that's where that's where we're at here like Don't don't go stir crazy. Don't get cabin fever. Just be patient. You know what I mean? And if you like Zach Wilson, I mean, you know, just believe just believe that that's the case. And don't let any of the outside noise affect or impact your decision overall. Uh, By the way, Zach Wilson and Justin Fields, you mentioned Jalen Hurts uh, were number one. I mentioned this on the daily. Um, They both were number one. Uh, And I gave the come up of the week actually on the daily um, to the number one because that that's making a return. Like, Cam wears number one. Obviously, Jalen Hurts wears now number one. Kyler Murray wears number you know one. This 2 will wears number one. Like, there's more quarterbacks than ever, once the draft is over, especially, that wear number one in the NFL. Good for the number one. And, and, and number on a quarterback where it belongs, not a wide receiver or a DB.
1: Yeah. And the number two list is bad, too. I was reading that off on uh, BGN Radio recently, and it's like, well, it's Carson Wentz now. Do you, <laughs> do you think
0: that Jalen Hurts changed because he was like, oh, God, like,
1: Wentz is in the two club? No,
0: thanks. Like, I don't want anything to do with it.
1: Uh, I think it's just an alpha move. It's just like, hey, i'm I'm quarterback one now. I'm going to number one. I switched from two to one when I went to Oklahoma, and then became a Heisman finalist. I think it's just a total power move by him.
0: Okay, well, I respect the move um, from Jalen Hurts. I don't like the two in Indianapolis's font; it's way too blocky. That was a bad move by Carson Wentz. Um, yeah, you know, it's you can't wear that number in that city with that organization just because the the font is not right for it. But like, like a two, like the Philly two is great. You know what I mean? Like the that's kind of it. Like two, two is a hard number to pull off unless you're Johnny Menzel, but that's, that's kind of it.
1: Uh, RJ, I want to give, before we wrap up here, I want to give the Yita of the week to oh. you actually <laughs> for, uh, you're just ripping in the stats last week. That was great. Uh, coming back from the look ahead on from break. Uh, I really appreciate that again. I love stats. He's my guy, but, uh, You know, it had to be done because the Homer thing was just I meant meant to do that earlier in the 49ers part, but I I didn't want to uh, leave the Monday Football Monday show without giving out, you know, two of the most prestigious awards here.
0: That's right. Uh, We appreciate certainly um, you paying homage to um, to the OG principles of the Monday Football Monday sort of ether that we have here going on. Um, Yeah. And last thing, since we decided to go down this this uh, path again, give me a, a win total prediction for the 49ers. Because Stats Stats is also gonna edit this. Stats has Stats will either have to leave this in or, oh, have, yeah. or push it out. So uh Stats,
1: we love you and we know you're listening. Oh, I can't wait for this conversation to pick up on Tuesday. Um, I <laughs> win total. I'm gonna say so I said last in the division. So I'm gonna have to stick with that six games. Ooh. Six wins
0: for the 49ers, you think? Yeah. Mm. Six. I will say seven. Um I'll and I'll ask you this. 49ers wins Carson Wentz fumbles in
1: 2021 what's a higher volume well I mean it's it's, that the easy bet is Wentz fumbles fumbles. I'm sorry
0: sorry, I meant 49ers losses 49ers losses versus Wentz fumbles Mm. that's what I meant
1: I'll still take the fumbles Wentz just Mm. like look at his fumbling numbers it's I forget I think it was like at one point it was like 49 59 games or something last year it's just like it's just an insane amount. Like, it's, nev- it's never going to go down. It's just not. Like, there's no reason to believe it's going to stop happening. Like it, it just happens. Okay. That's
0: that's a good note to end on. Uh, Brandon Lee Godden from Bleeding Green Nation from the Oddcast, a fine production on the ESPN NFL show. You can hear him tomorrow chopping it up with stats. That was why I wanted to do this, because now BLG has to take all the heat for all the conversation we had, which I'm sure will be an enjoyable conversation. Make sure to subscribe to the ESPN NFL show. Leave a rating, write a review, and tell BLG you left him because he is incredible. See you next time.